The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen. It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak show. This is episode 219, brought to you by the five folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Tenure Streak without a bad day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K Ben. How you doing, brother? Oh, Mike, everything is delicious. Thanks for asking. It's the last ever preview <laughs> show. It's the final days of Michael Kist of Lean Green Nation, and we're not going to cry. And, and explain how this thing went down, because we had said coming into it, like mm-hmm. I hit you up. I'm like, hey, you free today? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, damn, I was hoping you were saying no. And you're like, come on, it's one of our last shows. And I was like, cool, but I don't want to preview this game at all. And yes. you were like, well, let's do a mailbag and let's have some fun and whatnot. And we were like, awesome. So we tweeted it out. Yeah, it would be super casual. We started taking questions. We're like, we're just going to BS about everything. And then 30 minutes before we record, because this is the way that the universe works in Eagles podcasting, it has been announced that Jim Schwartz is going to let his contract expire at the end of this season. He is contemplating retirement. He is fed up, done with it. On his way out, uh, Ben, your instant reaction to Jim yeah. Schwartz leaving town. Shout out, Jimbo. Yeah. Long time heel of the podcast. <laughs> Only right that as we go out, he goes out. Right. You know what I mean? Inexorably linked we are in destiny. Our fates <laughs> intertwined. It's only appropriate that, you know, uh, it's like Harry Potter and Voldemort. Like for as long as one lives, the other, like one, <laughs> like one of them has to die. I can't remember exactly right. what the prophecy says. Maybe for us, it's both of us have to die. Yeah, no. Jimbo is 54. He's been coaching. I didn't understand this in its entirety until I looked at it. He's been coaching like three decades. since he was 23. Right. <laughs> since 1989. He was a grad assistant at Maryland. And then he was grad assistant in Minnesota. And then he was a secondary coach at North Carolina Central. And so on and so forth. Like he was a personnel scout for the Browns for three years. And then every other. And, and But unbroken. He's been in football. And he's been coaching besides that. Since 1989. His first break from coaching was 2015. At 26 straight years of coaching. Uh, and so, he, he 2015, then obviously he's been the Eagles DC for the last five years. He is 54 going on 55. 
Tom Pelissero had of NFL Network who broke the news that he's got multiple hip and eye surgeries recently, which I didn't know. But right. obviously, I don't think we don't need to know that about a coach, you know. Yeah, honestly, it, it it legitimately does sound like he's banged up and he wants a break. You know what I mean? Which like usually we would say of a veteran player. Um, but just you know, coaching is tough. You're up at ridiculous hours. You're it's a ton of energy. It's a ton of mental effort. It sounds like he needs a breather, and and understandably so. I would imagine if the Eagles were playing extremely well. And everybody in the coaching staff in the front office loved one another and they were making Super Bowls. It would be a lot easier to justify waking up sore on Monday mornings. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, for, for for players and for coaches alike, you know. Uh, so certainly I think that the discombobulation within Philadelphia's brass and the subsequent losing of the last few years contributes to a willingness to let your contract expire right uh, pelicero also noted in the, in the the report the eagles approached schwartz about an extension the eagles were interested in keeping schwartz long term peterson himself said you know recently in a press where we have a great relationship so it's it's schwartz schwartz would like a break he's going to take a year off i would be right now i would bet heavy money that he's back in coaching in 2021 tough right. to or 2022 yeah tough to tough to not you know leave that itch unscratched as it were uh, and, you know, this is a nice, neat way to kind of get out of Philadelphia, maybe get to be somewhere else. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I do generally think like, yeah, it sounds like Jim's tired and I get why he is. And before we get into like possible, D, you know, D.C. candidates and everything like that, I was actually wondering your take on, on the Schwartz legacy, we'll call it. And I, I've said before, I've said it on Twitter, I think people know my take that Schwartz has been a solid Two very good defensive coordinator during his time here in Philadelphia. There have been blips on the radar for sure, uh, mm-hmm. but also there's been some bad luck with the units that he's had. I was telling you before the show as you were looking through his, I think it was his defensive DBOA over the yes. years. And 2018, 2019, he, they they have the 29th uh, most adjusted games lost per football outsiders on the defensive side of the ball. They also had the 31st most adjusted games lost on the defensive side of the ball. So he was never really dealing with a full deck over the past three years. Some of that might be his own doing with some of the personnel decisions that he has made. I also think there's an interesting alternate timeline that exists where Jim Schwartz decides this at this time last year. They promote Corey Unlin instead of Corey Unlin going to the Detroit Lions, of course, Corey Unlin with the Detroit Lions has given up five 40 burgers as their DC. And I think we look on Schwartz. The Detroit Lions also drafted one of the best corner prospects I've ever seen, number three overall. And he got into Corey Unlin and all of a sudden forgot how to play man coverage. So, you know, if we're going to have a conversation about development, the performance of secondaries <laughs> under Unlin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely looks bad for him. And, and, and again, I think. If that alternate timeline happens, I think it makes us look differently at Jim Schwartz because we can't help but compare and uh, contrast when it comes to success in Philadelphia from year to year, even though it might not necessarily be uh, apples to apples. But you're, you're, look, I love Jimbo. I especially love his pressers. I always thought I got more out of them than I got from, from the other coaches as far as like detailed answers and like insightfulness and everything like that. And I didn't mind that he went to bat for his players. Like that's what coaches should do. They shouldn't take the Adam Gase approach to it. Uh, but overall, like I have this love hate thing with Jimbo. I think the fan base does too. Uh, every week still in three words, we always got fired Jim Schwartz, typically no matter what happened in the actual game. Uh, but what are your feelings on the on the Schwartz legacy, as it were? Uh, sure. Love, hate. 
I do. do I not think so much. I okay. I think I, I want to qualify that too. I think he was definitely in over his head this year, and I it, it was time for him to go. But I wanted to get that take out there. Please continue. A lot. There's a lot. There's a lot that's floating around. Yeah. Schwartz had had two top five DVOA defenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, his defense was eighth in EPA per play over the last five years, uh, which I think Shield just had. Uh, they were ninth scoring defense over the last five years. Zach Berman just shared uh, 17 points or fewer in four of six postseason games uh, that they played in. Yeah, there's no doubt that the Eagles defense has not been prohibitively bad mm-hmm. at any point, I would say, in the last five years of shorts. Yeah, but it, we got to be able to take that information and put it up against money spent. And put it up against where in defense's money was spent, where resources were allocated in defense, and compare and contrast the two. I have no issue with Schwartz saying my philosophy is we are going to be extremely strong in the front four. We are going to one gap. You're going to be gapped out in the box at all times. We're always going to be plus one in the box. We will figure out how to play coverage behind it, but we will win in the passing game with pass rush. Mm Mm-hmm. And we will win in the running game with penetration and TFLs. That is my philosophy. Here's what I need to execute it. I'm going to need resources spent on the defensive line. We're going to spend a first-round pick on Derek Barnett. I like the way that he run defense. We're going to extend Fletcher Cox and extend Brandon Graham. We're going to extend Brandon Graham in his 30s. Never had a 10-sack season. We're going to extend him in his 30s. We're going to sign Malik Jackson. We're going to sign Javon Hargrave. You know, these are the moves that that we're going to – this is how we're going to build this team. Trade for Timmy Jernigan, re-sign Vinnie Curry, yada, 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 add Chris Long. So I have no problem with, this is my philosophy and this is what I need. And then Lori hires him and, and says, okay, go. And, you know, McLean had the article last year about Schwartz is a ton of control over personnel. And here they are, built like a Jim Schwartz fever dream defense, just with two deep dogs, yeah. right? Remember, go remember back to 2017, it was what's so awesome about the Eagles defensive line. It's that they are fresher now than anybody else is in week 17, 18, 19, 20 right. Super Bowl because they were too deep and because of the way they could divide up snap counts, so on and so forth. And they were healthy, yeah. Right, and so that worked for you. So I'm, I have zero problem with all of that. But let's call a spade a spade. When teams found ways to beat the Eagles pass rush, they had no solution there was no second punch there was no counter punch right this this team never got serious about cornerback never got smart about coverage shells yep never showed flexibility to get out a single high right there there was never a, a no matter what wall they ran into it was well, our, our our pass rush has got to win for us and so to me i've got a defense where a coordinator came in and said if you spend a ton of money in the defensive line I'll have a great pass rush and get some TFLs and I'll suck in the secondary. Mm -hmm. And that worked. That was functional. Like the Eagles were only a below average DVOA defense once, which I think was this year. They obviously dealt with injury. I acknowledge all of that. You can't tell me that that's like a a top echelon coordinator though. Right. I agree. The the complaints with Schwartz have never been with the first punch. It's never been with the theory. It's not like Schwartz has come out here and been like, we need to spend $10 million on a linebacker. I'm not going to pay any edge rushers. I'm going to (laughs) play three corners who are all 5'9". It's not like he was out here saying dumb things. Schwartz has been in the league. He's been a coach for 20, 30 years, as I was pointing out. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he is. He knows what he likes. He knows what he goes after. And I, even when I say like, it's the, it's the lack of a counter punch, it's lack of adjustment, it's lack of the second step. Like, Schwartz came in. What, what was the what was the buzzword when Schwartz came in? Wide nine. You don't run the wide nine anymore. You know what I mean? He's he's come to acknowledge and and 
uh, acknowledge and like be you know what's the word and respect the idea that he needs to make changes year over year right they went from uh being heavy zone cover to then being heavy man cover this year you know what i mean like there, there certainly have been adjustments but in game across the course of a month so on and so forth he's just so rigid this is how we're gonna win and if we get beat we get beat mm-hmm. and i think that you can aspire to more from your defensive coordinator. You I read agree. Robert May's piece on Brandon Staley in, in, the, in Los Angeles, who we've been talking about Brandon Staley since week two oh, when the Eagles played him. Do you it's read incredible. Piece? He's incredible. Yeah, I think that's 100% right. the, the point that you're making there. Yeah, you can expect right. more, and Staley is obviously giving them more. And that, but, but, but what is – but like Staley and, and Schwartz, it's still just – like Staley says – our philosophy, we want to be two over one in the passing game and one mm-hmm. over one in the running game. Right. Schwartz is like, we want to be gapped out in the run. And right. Staley's basically saying the opposite. He's like, I'm going to be gapped out in the pass. His philosophy is we're going to limit explosives. Yes. I'm going to play too high. I'm going to rotate safeties down. I'm going to have combo coverage across the field. I'm going to take away explosives. And if you can run the ball for five yards a click on me 30 times and beat me 23 to 20, go for it. Right. It's the same thing, but it's just modern. It's just a, it's a, it's a more, uh, 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 it's a more aware approach of where the league is going. It's you know recognizing I mean? that six yards is more than four yards, which was our criticism yes. of sports before. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so, so I, I would go, I would say this. I would say if you want to bring in another Schwartz, another, we're going to be great on the defensive line. We're going to one gap. We're going to have penetrating defensive linemen. We're going to rush the passer with four. We're going to be deep. We're going to have a rotation. We're going to get pressure. We're going to win the line of scrimmage. You got to ask him. Hey, we had a lot of games under our last guy where offenses figured out a solution for that and dropped 40 on us. Right. <laughs> we had Case Keenum and Washington in 2018. We had Ryan Fitzpatrick and Miami in 2019. We had bad football teams right. beat us all when we were on defense because they just decided that the quarterback was never going to hold the ball for more than two seconds. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Because that was the question that never got answered in Philly. Correct. And because of it, there was a model that existed that offensive coordinators could pick up, install, and put 30 on this team. And that, like, I don't know if there's a stat that captures that. I would love to find it. I would love to talk about it. But we can, we can till the cows come home, adjusted games lost, second in pressure rate every single year, da-da-da. Let's, uh, let's be very honest about what Schwartz has been over the last couple of years. He's been set in his ways. He's done defense the way he's wanted to do it. And when the Eagles have won for that, it's been great. And when the Eagles have lost for that, it hasn't been. And so you need somebody who is at the least more modern, if not ideally, a lot more flexible. Do you remember early in 2018, like the first eight weeks, everybody was like, the pass rush isn't getting home. The pass rush sucks, so on and so forth. And you and you mm-hmm. watch the games and you see and you, and you look at the analytics and you see that seven out of the eight first quarterbacks that the Eagles faced got rid of the ball in less than 2.4 seconds. And the pressure right. rate was still really good, but he couldn't stop that from happening. But what was Schwartz always talking about in the pressers? Well, the ball got out fast, so on and so forth. Well, why is the ball getting out fast? Why Why can't you mm-hmm. prevent that? Why can't you make right. that necessary adjustment when you're getting what you need from the pass rush, but it doesn't matter because you can't put your secondary in a position to win because you can't adjust. Now, later in the year, it was funny because he had one of his best – Coaching, you know, you, I've talked about this before. The 2018 Rams game, where he went split field safety, he adjusted the yeah. depth of his of his cornerbacks and his and his safeties and, and whatnot. And he had a great freaking game. Two years later, 
Rams Same took problems. <laughs> right. So this right. is where I say, like, it's just it, there's not enough consistent acknowledgement of where league trends are going or what needs to be changed. I mean, the 2020 Rams walked out in the field and broke right. the Eagles' minds with what? With pre-snap motion. That's it. Mike? Yep. <laughs> with guys moving across the formation at the snap. It's 2020. What are we doing? Yeah, like, welcome to the modern <laughs> league, baby. And, like, what what will be frustrating is if Schwartz takes a year off from coaching and does what coaches usually do when they take a year off from coaching, the Mike McCarthy thing. He sits down with guys. He sits down with analytics dudes. He sits down with college guys. And he he takes the time off to relearn. View the view the game a lot of different ways. Yes. And all of a sudden it comes back with a few more different ideas about how to maybe, you know, defend speed option. Right. Defend <laughs> wide receiver handoffs, Mike. Right. So <laughs> I agree. I agree. That's what I mean by the game like passing him by. All this right. stuff that teams are hyper utilizing now that they hadn't in the last four years, play action. Motion, pre-snap motion, mm-hmm. jet sweeps, all all that stuff. Right. He's having – they're and giving even, him fits. Play, like, right. play, they're killing him. And even look at – like even like we were talking about a scheme perspective. Let's do two minutes on personnel here. Right. Quarterbacks aren't getting drafted to be statues anymore. Right. Quarterbacks like, if you can escape the pocket, it's the best thing in the world. Mm-hmm. You want to know why? Because everybody's pouring money into their pass rushes. Yep. And all of a sudden you got Kyler Murray's and Russell Wilson's like, oh, you rushed with four? Guess what? You're a 300-pound guy against my 210-pound guy. My 210-pound guy runs a sub-7-3 goal. Let's get freaky. Yeah. I get outside of the pocket and you can't cover for more than two seconds. You can cover for four. Yep. It's Russell Wilson back there. Right. And and about personnel. We know who Schwartz's guys are. Yeah. Right. Let, 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 let's talk about young player development. Right. We well, I made the argument that a lot of Schwartz's success on defense is because of the money he spent on defense. What if you were able to get a defensive coordinator? You know, we'll use Brandon Staley as an example again. Obviously, I think Staley should not be put up as an example because he's rather an exemplar. He's rather a, a paragon. He's, he's kind of the peak of the mountain. Yeah. But Staley's out here with a sixth-round corner at a UAB Darius Williams who we never heard of. Killing it. Out here playing corner two next to... To, to Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. He's got split field safety, sixth round pick out of Ohio State, fourth round pick out of NC State three years ago. John Johnson and Jordan Fuller. Balling. Got Micah Kaiser on drafted free agent playing linebacker as a Kenny Young, and we got in the Marcus Peters trade. Killing Who it. Who are these cats? Right. Yep. Right? So if you get a, a coordinator who's able to bring in young players and get them in a system, get them in, in positions that make them successful, develop them, give them new skills. Who's developed under Jim Schwartz? This is the conversation we had two months ago talking about roster building. What what rookie's been brought into the defense and gotten better? Josh Sweat and nobody else. And so you're looking at a, 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 a opportunity here where, yes, you can make a a retread higher and they could continue putting Fletcher Cox in the B gap and Brandon Graham in the C gap and Javon Hargrave in the A gap and so on and so forth and say, Oh, look, we can rush the passer with our extremely expensive defensive line. Or you can get a little bit more aggressive, get somebody a little bit more modern, get somebody with a collegiate background, get somebody who's been around and has seen new things and potentially get better than what you pay for on defense. Mm -hmm. And that's going to give you the flexibility in the draft and in free agency to not need to spend like to, to milk every cent for what it's worth on your defense to say, all right, we have the most expensive defensive line and the best defensive line in the NFL. Well, to me, that's par for the course. If you have the most expensive defensive line, it should be the best defensive line in the NFL. Let's get uh, uh Josh Sweat fourth round pick and let's make him a premier pass rusher and move on from Derek Barnett. Let's get actual safety to linebacker converts like Nate Gary and Davian Taylor and get them on the field successfully. Yeah. And get them so that they still have athleticism and they have range. You know what I mean? And so I just think there's there's too much meat on the bone for me to sit here and tell you like Schwartz has been great for the last five years and this sucks for the Eagles. I they gotta get the higher right. 
Yeah. I think that, you know, you, you had Schwartz, it was working. There's no doubt this could get a lot worse. But man, I'm here to tell you it can get a lot better. I really believe that. Yeah, I 100% agree with that too. And when we come back here on the Kist and Solak show, we are going to talk about some of those options that they can bring in to get better. I'm sure Ben has been researching the heck out of it. We'll be right back after this. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak show, episode 219, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. We are, of course, not doing the casual pod that we promised. We're going to save that for another day and holster those questions for later. We are talking about the possible retiring, uh, the contract expiring of defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz for the Eagles and how we move on from here. So, Ben, when you kind of create a short list for defensive coordinators that you would like to bring in. I know a guy that I've talked about in the past, uh, Jim Leonard, uh, defensive coordinator out of Wisconsin, former uh, NFL safety. But when you create your short list, what type of guys are you looking at? Do you have like a special one that really stands out? Like last year, okay, like with the offensive coordinator position last year, I was like, Joe Brady's the guy. Go get Joe Brady. Uh, they ended up not hiring an offensive coordinator, bringing in Rich, Richard uh, Scangarello, Rich Scangarello, whatever. Uh, but do you have a guy like that for the defensive side of the ball or is it more of a collection of uh, guys and ideas? Right. It's tricky. You know what I mean? Defensive coordinator is a lot harder because it's who first like who's interested in that job. And then secondly, what direction do you want to go? You know what I mean? Like every defensive coordinator has his pitch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It has his his this is how he wants to play. And so you have to be honest with what you've got at personnel. Like the Eagles, I talk about how how expensive the defensive line was. The Eagles have no money invested at linebacker and and, and secondary. None. The only player who it's like he's here for a while is Darius Slay. Right. Other than that, nothing. Mm-hmm. So you can bring in a lot of guys from a lot of like from man cover backgrounds, even zone cover backgrounds, even though it's not Slay's MO. You can bring in split field, you bring in single high, you can bring in three safety from from the Big Twelve, and you can say, What would you be looking for in the back seven? What players do we have on the roster that you think could work for you? What players would we be moving on from? Right. So for even everything you have on the defensive line. The, the lack of investment in linebacker and corner and safety, which has screwed Jim's defense over the last couple of years, can be viewed as an advantage when you go into this next hiring cycle. And so if you if we orient ourselves on four down linemen, one gap, pass rush, and play single high behind it, which mm-hmm. is how the Eagles have been over the last few years, whether man or zone, Dan Quinn's your obvious one. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. So Stop. Dan Quinn uh, got... Gus Bradley, if he gets fired in LAC, if if Lynn gets fired, okay, keep going. You, on this that. is your this is your Seattle tree, yeah, right. Um, We're gonna talk and about Raheem that. Morris as well. Uh, <laughs> Raheem Morris, who's also of the Dan Quinn tree, but listen, every time Dan Quinn gives control of the defense <laughs> to Raheem Morris, which he did both in 2019 and in 2020, defense <laughs> immediately got better, uh, which yeah. is interesting. Uh-huh. So Raheem Morris, the current interim head coach at Atlanta. Dan Quinn, the previously fired head coach of Atlanta, and Gus Bradley, the current defense coordinator in Los Angeles uh, for the Chargers, uh, who may be relieved of his duties in the event that Anthony Lynn gets fired, are the three guys that immediately pop to mind if we're talking keeping the same general structure. We go to Mike for his thoughts. Now, yeah, let's stop there, and I think you know I want to stop there. Uh, (laughs) I, I, I truly believe the Legion of Boom made Dan Quinn. The Legion of Boom made Gus Bradley. Not the other way around. You mm, you see? Do you see what happened to these defenses? I mean, did you see the Atlanta defense? Uh, do you see what happens to these cover three coaching tree guys from the Legion of Boom when they don't have an elite pass rush? 
to make them look fantastic when they don't have an all-time great secondary. That's true, that's true, Come that's on. I, I was going to defend Gus Bradley and the Chargers <laughs> a little bit because they've done some fun stuff, but it is true that that Bosa and Ingram are the, are the straws that stir that drink right. a little bit. <laughs> so what are, we, what are we really talking about? Do you trust any of those guys w- with me qualifying that? I trust Morris. I'd bring in Morris. Okay. Yeah. I don't tr- I don't, okay, I think I, tr- I would I would trust Morris more than I would trust Quinn and Bradley. So I think I'm with you there. I'm still skeptical. Maybe you sell me on that a little bit. Can you can you put a little uh, spice in there? Yeah, the the Falcons have been like one of the best defenses over DVOA since Morris took over this year. True, and they were horrible under Quinn. Correct. AJ Terra Terrell, their Clemson corner, mm-hmm. who they drafted at 16, which was viewed as early by a lot of people, has gotten markedly better over the last stretch of, of playing under Morris. They go, they they run spot drop cover three, <laughs> but they do it. A lot better. They, they, their coaching points are strong, and they, they they understand how to space routes. I think it's been impressive. It is worth noting. So Morris has been a wide receivers coach, defensive backs coach, defensive coordinator, and now obviously interim head coach. Uh, he was the interim. He was the head coach of Tampa Bay for several years uh, in, in the late two thousands uh, when he was quite young, and so he does have that experience. He's viewed as a good candidate for a second go at being a head coach because he was kind of a little bit too young to an experience at the time. He was like in his thirties. Yeah. Um, things went pretty uh, poorly for him there. But right. from what I understand, he's kind of grown up a bit mm-hmm. since then. It's worth noting that. So he was with Atlanta from 2015 through 2018. Mm-hmm. He was their defensive backs coach, wide receivers coach and secondary coach all across that time. Wow. He was under Mark one Manuel. Correct. Yeah. Who mm-hmm. was the uh, secondary coach and then the defensive coordinator in Atlanta across that period of time and is now the defensive backs coach in uh, Philadelphia. And so if you like what Manuel has brought to the table, don't hard. really think the Eagles corners have played amazing this year. It's also but hard if, to tell. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I also don't think the Eagles corners were put. <laughs> well, I don't think the Eagles had any corners. Right. Serious <laughs> like, um, then you, you if you want to go after what Atlanta had in the secondary and how they did things. The, these are your two guys to pair together, Raheem Morris and Mark Manuel. So the Eagles already have one guy from that coaching staff installed is what I'm I'm angling right. to say here. Uh, and so you would expect continuity and you would expect, you know, to, to be able to install your system. So I would be stronger on Raheem Morris. Uh, you know, at, he this he's been the DC for Atlanta for the last couple of years. They haven't been a great defense the last couple of years, but they have never had a pass rush. Never. Right, true. Right, and so what What we're looking at with potentially putting it with Jim Schwartz's defensive line is, I think, a little bit more encouraging. Um, so those are the guys who immediately pop to mind when we're talking about four down. If you want to get weirder and, and look at three down stuff, right, look at, at moving your offensive line around a little bit. Ooh, actually, you know who I should bring up real quick is uh chris korachek who's the uh he's familiar. uh no chris chris korcherek if Korcher. i'm saying his name correctly i hope i am who is the defensive line coach currently for san francisco uh uh-huh. who would also be your four down uh, uh, uh get up field and go nuts guy now he and robert sala right sala is, is the current san francisco defense coordinator likely to be a head coach one of this Seattle cover three tree have largely moved away from Seattle cover three over the last couple of years. Jimmy Warren, Jacuski Tart, uh, uh, the name of their third safety, not Tracy Walker, Traverius Moore. They have played more split field stuff. And they've done that because of limitations they've had at corner, but it has worked well for them. So they have demonstrated the ability to switch through 
secondary shells much more so than Jim Schwartz did when he was in Philadelphia. Now, not only that, just Chaquisky Tart and Jimmy Ward developed both free agents. Yes, yeah, yes. Now, what I will say is, you need to have yourself a Fred Warner to pull that nonsense <laughs> off. Philadelphia's got themselves an eight Geary. So if you're <laughs> if you're interviewing Chris Kocharek and you're trying to understand what it is he wants to do, yeah, tell me about the assuming linebacker. he's trying to put things largely in the in the San Francisco blueprint. He's going to need a linebacker who right. can cover. What are you going to do about this drop off in talent? Yeah, yeah. But if you uh, obviously the the San Francisco 49ers defensive line has has followed the same tenets: uh, one gap, good ends, uh, deep rotation, bring guys off the bench. Uh, they've they've used really long defensive linemen. Well, the Eagles don't really have a lot of length. Fletch, uh, Hargrave, Grammer, much more so stout. That's an interesting conversation. But anyway, we should mention him. Uh, if you want to go more three down looks more of your multiple looks. This is where a guy like Wade Phillips becomes interesting. Uh, Phillips, who was the defense coordinator at the Rams previously before Brandon Staley took that job, he's been off for a year. He's another, you know, if you want somebody to just fully have control over the defense, Phillips is more so that guy, right, in a similar way as you did with with Jim Schwartz, right? You, I think that you would go for that direction. Um, Kosarek, by the way. is Kosarek? Uh, yeah, Is Kosarek. that how it's said? Yeah. Okay. Lord knows, right? And who is your um, third guy? I'm just making a list here. Uh, so I said Wade Phillips is going to be your dude who you, right, right, right. if you want to say, all right, Jim Schwartz had total control. We want somebody else to have total control. Who should we bring in? Uh, and he's going to be an interesting guy for you. Um, I would love Wade. I would just, I, I think he's just an amazing right, defensive Wade's coordinator. Wade's the man, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like I think you're going to run into the same problems with Wade. And like there's a reason the Rams let Wade go. And you're running into the same problems with Schwartz. But like I'm saying, if you want, if you're like, the Eagles wanted to bring back Schwartz, right? So if right. you are like, they get us a good pass rush, do that, move on. You know what I mean? That's going to be, I think, your good, your good approach. You know what I mean? If we're bringing um, people out of retirement, Wade Phillips, Dean Pease are two of the guys on my short list. Oh, man. How fun would it be if the Eagles went an actual like aggressive <laughs> right. blitzing defense, right? Like you, But you, you'd have so much work to do in the secondary. Yeah. You need three new safeties. You know I mean, um, you know, it's an interesting name. Oh, frick. You know who's absolutely an inch? Oh, frick me down. <laughs> frick I'm just check, checking the year right now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Terrell Austin, who Austin. replaced Jim Schwartz as the leader of the defense in Detroit. He was the defense coordinator for Detroit at 2014 to 2017 after Schwartz was fired in 2013. He's been a defensive advisor for the Steelers yeah. this year. He's okay. going to be a name that they look at for sure. I like that. So short list, you've got uh, Terrell Austin, who's the senior defensive uh, assistant there, secondary coach with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. You've got Raheem Morris. Uh, you've got Korserik. I think I'm saying that correctly again. Korserik, Chris Korserik, yeah. the 49ers defensive line coach. And then we are uh, dragging Dean Pease and or Wade Phillips mm-hmm. out of retirement. You didn't mention Jim Leonard. Why not? <laughs> so I was about to say, the yeah. last thing I would bring up would be college coaches you could potentially bring up to the pros. If so, Jim Leonard, who we we love on this podcast for Wisconsin, has been tremendous. Brett Venables, the best defense coordinator in college football. He's a defense coordinator at Clemson. I doubt he leaves Clemson ever. He's got kids playing there, too, actively, yes. right? Yeah. He's waiting until Dabo takes the Alabama job, and then he's going to take the Clemson right. job. Kevin Steele is the defensive coordinator at Auburn. And when Auburn fired their head coach this year, Gus Malzahn, he was made the interim coach, and there was a large push from boosters to make him the immediate head coach. Mm. He is 
this he was not given that role controversially and he has made it clear he will not return to auburn a bit and part of that he is very much so you know nickelbacks money back safety's flying down you know what i mean obviously this is a guy who's generated a lot of first round talent on auburn's defense marlon davidson or not marlon davidson was the first rounder Derek brown no egg over the last couple of years mm. while auburn's been struggling in recruiting uh and so he's legit you would have to hire him tomorrow because right. somebody's trying to get him you know what i mean like he's already been connected to the texas defense coordinator job and texas's seats aren't even cold yet off of their firing you know what i mean so Steele's a name that's going to be available. He's good. Venables, Leonard, and Steele are your best three names, I would say. Maybe Dave Aranda, but even then, Aranda's going to be like, hey, what if we ran man coverage? It's like, all right. Uh, that's that's actually an unfair estimation of Aranda. He'd, I'd be fine with Aranda. I have to look more into his defense. But at least, like again, you're bringing in a guy who's coaching in the SEC, coaching the Big 12, dealing with high-powered passing offenses. He's going to have more solutions than we got to do a better job rushing the passer. And that's what you're looking for. Yeah, and guys with a history of uh, developing people, as you highlighted uh, there with the Auburn program. So that's a that's a fun little short list for us. Hopefully the, the Eagles will do something that uh, is better and not catastrophically worse because it can certainly absolutely uh, go both ways. Uh, ben, all right, let's spend the next – hour breaking down this washington philadelphia week 17 extravaganza does it look to you like the eagles are tanking a bit because i watched I, I, wentz isn't active like it seems like they're resting guys make, 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 make it make it sure everybody's healthy <laughs> right, that's what it yeah. is yeah make sure everybody's healthy um so they're just gonna hand this wait. thing to washington because i'm totally fine with that because i don't well i don't know i feel like Dallas getting in would would screw them and and that would be that would be nice but I I do find it interesting that they're like we have a no hats <laughs> no celebration rule no hat and rule. also we're sitting everyone <laughs> oh well Alex Smith's officially playing so that's nice yeah uh Brett Toth and Matt Pryor are going to be your tackles for this game right mm, this is going to be bad or or is Tego Nogo off the thing I have no idea what's going on with their offensive tackles because yet again, they're going to see another configuration and people are saying, you know, Jalen Hurts can really cement himself as the starter in this one. Man, I don't think they want to play Jalen Hurts for more than a half. They're going to see what this defensive line is doing to their offensive line. Get him the heck heck out of there. Like Toth, go put Nate Sudfeld on the firing line for the love of God. This yes. game should not Listen, change your Nate opinion. Sudfeld, who is the shining crown jewel of your quarterback factory, right? <laughs> like, oh, we develop quarterbacks. Uh, Nate Sudfeld's been in the building for three years. Has show exactly us. One game action. Right. Um, show us he's the yeah. guy. <laughs> but no, I, I and I think you agree with this. This game is not the game where you're like, Hertz could really cement himself as the starter and it'll you know prevent them from looking at quarterbacks seriously in the draft because we still believe that the Eagles have to look at quarterbacks seriously in the draft. That's uh, honestly, even if they don't trade Wentz. I mean, we watched uh, the bowl games last night. What's your, uh, what's your big quarterback take? Have you, have you flipped like everybody else? Because coming into this, this week, you, okay, you're in enough DMS with me to know where I fall in this quarterback class. You should be able to recite my quarterback takes from memory. Yeah, I know them, but I want you to repeat them for the dental listeners. Never listen. (laughs) So everybody thought, okay, sunshine, Trevor Lawrence, number one, Mm. And then it was Zach Wilson, you know, Mormon Manziel from BYU was starting to become the number two. And then it was Justin Fields. And then last night happened and everybody lost their minds. Uh, I don't necessarily know if that order has been changed. Fields looked great. And even after he took the shot to the ribs where he he definitely hurt something there, 
uh, still made one of the better throws that I had seen uh, this year with that tight window throw in the end zone on the poster or whatever it was. But Fields certainly made a case for himself for being number two. But how how did you see the way it went? Because uh, also Trevor Lawrence, I don't think, didn't look very good. But that's another take for another time. Lawrence is mortal? Yeah. Fields is mortal. Mm -hmm. Lawrence was the number one prospect in the class. Fields was second. They were divided by like point zero zero three stars or rating points or something. I don't know how it works. It's all nonsense. Completely gibberish. <laughs> Lawrence was played as a freshman. Fields wasn't. Lawrence was unbelievable in his first year as a pro- as a college player. Right. Fields got his first year at Ohio State after he transferred. Was equally unbelievable. Fields has played a season and a half. Lawrence played three seasons. Lawrence struggled in his second season for the first seven weeks. Fields, who just played his seventh game, had equivalent struggles. Mm-hmm. To me, these are largely the same prospect in terms of, of how rare they are, how impressive they are, okay. save for the fact that you have a year and a half more experience under Lawrence's belt. I guess you should say he's played for two and a half years because Fields has been worked for one and a half year because they yeah. bridge season. But yeah, you, uh, uh, to me, uh, Lawrence has more experience. Lawrence got to play as a freshman. And so he's got more time to grow through his growing pains. Fields hasn't. But what Fields showed you, Ooh. Ohio State versus Clemson, 8 o'clock, uh, Sunday night, uh, Saturday, uh, Friday night, college football playoff game, was that at, at any time, he can punch above the weight of any other player in college football, full stop, Ooh. the end. And so I, I've thought since the end of last season that Fields is a lot closer to Lawrence than the NFL is willing to admit or willing to acknowledge. A lot of Lawrence's... Allure is based off winning the national championship as a freshman. And right. like, obviously he won the national championship as a freshman. Like I'm not poo pooing that. Uh, it's just to say that fields didn't even get fields didn't even start. He didn't even play as a freshman it, Kirby smart, put Jake Fromm on the field instead of him. So there you go. Um, so yeah, I think there are three quarterbacks fields, Lawrence, Zach Wilson out of BYU, who you feel strongly about having a good projection to being a high caliber franchise changing top eight quarterback in the league. I agree. Which forces the interesting question. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia's picking five. Wilson's still on the board. Field's still on the board. What are you doing? I'm probably pulling the trigger, man. Yep. Yeah. I just wrote about this. I don't know if and when it's going to be out, because obviously the Schwartz news. But uh, they sat. They said, we we picked Jalen Hurts because we committed to the quarterback position. It's the most important position in sports. We're going to get this position right. It's what they told us. Do they have the position right right now? Mm-mm. No. We don't know. So Def- if they're there and a respect. quarterback is in range, yeah, come on. Especially if they trade Wentz. <laughs> yeah. well, the best thing you've got right now is Hurts. You still got a top five, top six pick? Yep. Yeah. I I would encourage Eagles fans to begin acquainting themselves with the quarterback class uh, starting on uh, college football championship. Justin Fields and Mac Jones from Alabama. And then with uh, Lawrence and Wilson, Trey Lance out of North Dakota State, and the rest <laughs> of them. Um <laughs> It's a good quarterback class, and the Eagles are going to do a lot of homework on it. So, Ben, that is going to do it for this edition of the Kiss and Solak Show, which is not at all how uh, we we planned it out. So what we're going to do, like I said, gentle listeners, we're sorry we couldn't get to your questions uh, today. Uh, just uh, uh, really weird circumstances leading up to this one. But we are going to holster those questions. We'll do – an uh, fine – we will do another show after the reaction to the uh, loss, and we'll talk about what happened on uh, on, on Sunday and, and all that stuff. Uh, after the primetime game, of course, why wouldn't it be flexed out uh, for the Eagles 
against the Washington football team that goes a long way in determining or possibly could determine the NFC East winner. Ben, say goodbye to the gentle, gentle listeners. <sighs> Not going to cry. <laughs> Thank you, as always, for listening to the Kiss and Sell Ice here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. Uh, Jim Schwartz, letting his contract expiring, taking a year off, maybe retiring. He wasn't actually fired, but he's not going to be here next year. Ing. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, are you going to make that rhyme? Because that would have been really impressive. But that Dude, was... I should have. Uh, either way, he's not going to be here next year, so the Eagles have a defensive coordinator spot to fill. Uh, thank goodness Matt Burke is on the roster, or is already on the coaching staff. We'll just slot him in there, sign ourselves Corey Unlin. It's going to go great. Um, We'll see what the Eagles do with it. Uh, I imagine they'll take it slow. Uh, I, I imagine in-house will be a, a big part of the process, but hopefully they'll look out of house and make an aggressive hire. Uh, for whenever that hire happens, I don't know if we will be here to break it down or not, but we'll be here to break down the Washington game and talk about the season. Maybe have one more episode. Maybe have two more episodes. I don't really know how it's going to work. It's all fine. Oh, that's two. Okay. <laughs> Go birds. <laughs> I'm just going to keep on coming up with, I'm going to be like calling up, Doug being like, yo, make some news. Do something. I still have him on the hook. One more show. You're going to have Eagles roster coach. That's going to look entirely different. And rename the stadium. Everything. Just to get us to do another show. With how dramatic the Eagles are about to be over the next few years, you could probably keep doing that for a while. All right. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. Fly.